0: Agencies are staffing up with number crunchers and data wranglers in theory to help managers make better, more informed decisions based on the data they've already got. These new hires will help agencies understand whether programs have really made an impact. A few managers have already put these ideas into practice, and they've shared their best practices for data-driven decision-making. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. Agencies certainly don't lack for dashboards, benchmarks, scorecards, and a whole host of metrics for their programs. But do those numbers show the whole picture? And what are the questions that agencies can't answer with the data that they already have? Well, under the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, agencies have until the end of July to name chief data and chief evaluation officers. Their job is to get the most out of their agency's data. They're also supposed to link up data from other agencies to make connections that they haven't been able to make before. Christina Yancey is the Labor Department's Acting Chief Evaluation Officer... Speaking on a recent panel from the Partnership for Public Service and Grant Thornton, she said getting other agencies to give you their data can be an uphill battle, given the careful balance between security and access.
1: So I think it's important to emphasize the fact that we serve as brokers in lots of different spaces to support evidence building. And one of those is to really narrow and determine the challenges with data access. I think in general, we find those to be in two buckets. One of those is around just the protection of the data in terms of the Data needing to be in a secured environment, but then you also have challenges related to the privacy and confidentiality of the contents of the data as they relate to individual people. And I think it's important to really make sure that you focus on figuring out what the specific barrier that you have to accessing data linkages, because those require different conversations with different parties, all of which probably roll up to talking to your lawyers. We find that we need to have good relationships with our solicitor's office. And I think that's important for everyone to note that your lawyers are your friend.
0: Here's a good example of data-driven analysis. Officials at the Agriculture Department's Economic Research Service wanted to know why more people who are eligible for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, don't sign up for benefits. So ERS pulled statistical data from the Census Bureau to compare the number of people who are eligible for SNAP benefits versus the number of people who actually sign up. The data came from the Bureau's American Community Survey, which goes out to more than 3.5 million people each year. Mark Denbali is the deputy director for food economics data at ERS. He said cross-referencing these two data sets might shed some light on why more eligible Americans don't enroll in SNAP.
2: We were able to drill down to congressional levels, estimate the number of eligible people, populations who could be eligible, are eligible for SNAP and then calculate those who actually participate. What is the profile of those who participate relative to those who do qualify and don't participate? Then turn around and provide that information back to the states to improve their administration of the programs.
0: But there's more to this than just tracking and measuring data. Den Bali said agencies won't get good results if they're not asking the right questions.
2: It's easy to say, let's have an analytic and, and do what? You have to have the right questions and then do the right analysis to infer the right results from this. And that shouldn't be underestimated. Evaluation group have to do this. I mean, quite apart from organization, I think the work that needs to be done needs to be concentrated on getting all of that worked
0: out smoothly. That's where the Treasury Department and components like the Bureau of the Fiscal Service find themselves right now, asking the right questions and then looking for answers through the data. Amy Edwards is Treasury's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Accounting Policy and Financial Transparency. She said those questions can go after big challenges like how to reduce payments to fraudsters.
3: We've been developing a data strategy at Fiscal that's really focused on What use cases are we trying to solve? What questions are we trying to solve with all the data that we have? And let's target and start there and develop prototypes based on those use cases that we think are most valuable and most valuable to the communities that I mentioned, internally, across government, with agency CFOs, and to the public. We stood up a payment integrity center to really look at all of those interactions and how we can make sure that we're reducing improper payments or any potential fraud that occurs around the financial transactions that we oversee at Treasury.
0: But Treasury and its components have also reached out to the public to find out what they want to know about government spending. They actually went out on the National Mall and asked tourists what they wanted to see from the data. That led the fiscal service to launching a website called Your Guide to America's Finances. The agency website collects real-time data on federal revenue and spending. Here, Edwards gives an overview of what the site can tell the public.
3: It's a new way of looking at financial information that's been user-centered design in the development of this new site. And it's, it's real clear information about what the federal government spends, how much we collect each year, what our deficit is, and what our national debt looks like. And gives the public an ability to kind of very clearly see a modern view of that financial reporting that we started, you know, many, many uh, hundreds of years ago. You don't have to be an accountant to kind of understand the information that's presented there. So we're looking at all the other ways to make data more meaningful to the public or to others. So one of the things we're looking at is higher education analysis. How much did your alma mater receive? And what are those funds that they're getting in research dollars, how those are being used? So trying to think of new ways to to personalize some of this information, to make it more interesting to the general public. So we've got a number of initiatives like that.
0: But to really make a difference, Chief Data and Chief Evaluation Officers need to find willing partners at their own agencies and at other agencies. And under the Evidence Act, part of their roadmap will come from agency learning agendas. Here, Andrew Feldman, a director in public service at Grant Thornton, gives an overview of what those learning agendas will mean for agencies going forward. Those are documents that highlight what are the priority research questions that we have as an agency. What don't we know that would be useful for us to find the answers to to improve performance? By pushing those learning agendas down to the bureau level, asking bureaus what are the questions that you would like to know, and feeding those up into an agency-wide learning agenda, you can have that bottom-up effort that really creates ownership for learning at the program and bureau level. But the staff at some agency program offices might not always share the same enthusiasm for the evaluation staff because those evaluations, if they don't pass with flying colors, could lead to lower budgets and fewer resources. Thomas Kelly is the acting vice president of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, a foreign aid agency. He said his team has won people over through their new evaluation briefs. Those briefs give an overview of what the agency intended with its programs, then outlines what actually happened and shows the lessons learned. Kelly said those briefs get skeptics to pay attention. We have found already that... It's an excellent conversation starter with our technical staff. The difference between the evaluation staff and the program staff, there can often be a tension between them. Uh, Most people don't like to be evaluated. But these evaluation briefs are a a kind of easy way to start the conversation, and our evaluators have actually said it helps to draw people in, and it helps to get the other questions they want to know the answers to coming out. And Yancey over at Labor said a good way to get buy-in from people is to find those who are already asking the question, how am I doing?
1: I think it's important to start with people that are interested and invested in working with you. Don't try to convert those that are resistant because you'll waste way too much time. And what works more and more effectively is to start with the people that want to work with you and then you create champions for you. And I cannot tell you how awesome it is to be in a room when you as the evaluator don't need to speak about it, but instead your program counterpart is saying how awesome it was to work on an evaluation. And even if the findings didn't met out the results that they were expecting, the process itself has a lot of integrity. As we know, it's something that we can build upon, and it's important to just work with those that are interested and excited to work with you.
0: Jory Heckman, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.